Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and later on our podcast channel. It's myself, Andrew Musgrove, and our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. We're back because there's been plenty to talk about over the last 24 hours when it comes to Newcastle United. Now, we usually will be just doing a weekly show, but if anything does break, we'll, we'll be here to talk you guys through it. As it is, as I've just mentioned, plenty has happened. Um, Aaron, we're going to start first of all with the new Newcastle United kit released this morning. There was plenty of uh, speculation about what it would look like, plenty of leaked pictures uh, in, in the weeks leading up to today's eventual release date. Um, I'm going to get up in a moment and put a picture of the new strip on the screen for those watching live so you can see what it looks like if you haven't already. I'm sure you have. Um, Aaron, while I get about my seat to do that, just talk us through your initial thoughts of the, the new strip. And for those listening on the podcast, just maybe describe a bit of the, the features for them. Yeah, so obviously we've been waiting a long time to see what this kit was going to look like. There's been leaks on social media and plenty of speculation. But I think the overall feeling this morning when it was released was one of a you know, positive nature. You know, thick black and white stripes. A few people have bemoaned the sort of blue outline of the cast or barge black. You think it looks quite good. You know, you've got the black trim and, you know, photos that we've seen online seem to see that the, the barge has been sort of stitched in rather than just sort of stuck on top. So, yeah, as I say, mainly positive from what I've seen. People discussing it on social media, they seem happy enough with it. Um, but I think, obviously, the main talking point is the fact that Fun 88 remain as the sponsor. Mm, I, I really like it. I think it looks really, really nice. Uh, the collar, I think, is a big, big draw. And like you say, the, the reaction on social media has been largely positive. We'll wait to see a bit more uh, about the detail of the badge and what have you. I actually like the, the blue outline of, of, of Castor. I think it looks really, really smart. Um, I think there's a nice touch to the 130 years of the club as well on it. Um, you mentioned there the sponsor. There was a lot of discussion about a potential maybe Saudi link to, to sponsorship, as it is Fun88 have um, or, or on the shirt there, as as you can see. Um, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting going forward in the years to come, isn't it? Because the government have floated the idea of removing gambling companies from sponsoring football clubs, and, of course, Fun88 would fall into that bracket. Uh but I mean, I suppose if this is potentially their, f- their, 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 their final season on the shirt and we don't know that because uh, there was no timestamp put on the last deal they signed, it's not a bad way to go out, is it? Yeah, I think if that is their last kit, it's a it's a respectable one. And, you know, a lot of fans have been moaning the sort of funny eight kits over the years, but I actually think this is one of their best. I agree with you on that front. As you say, obviously, uh, gambling laws could potentially come into the Premier League and, you know, you can't have sponsors of that nature on the front of your kit, you know, obviously in Saudi Arabia, it's also sort of frowned upon in, in terms of gambling. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last season, but as you've mentioned, um, you know, one of the Mike Ashley's farewell presents to Newcastle fans was not really given much information about that fun at eight deal. Obviously, it was described as a long-term contract, which means we don't actually know, you know, when it eventually ends, which is a shame. Yeah, a lot of guys and gals are there in the comments talking about the shirts. So drop your comments about the new shirt in the, into the, the comment bar there and we'll get through the best of them. I suppose a lot of you guys are here though for transfer news and with Newcastle United there has been two big bits of news over the last 24 hours. The first one we'll go with is the exit of Isaac Hayden. Uh, he's joined Norwich on loan. There is... Uh, something within that deal that if criteria is met, it'll become a permanent deal. He drops down to the championship, which is 
Um, surprise a lot of people. I do think he is a, a midfielder that is above championship standard. I, I, I think he will do very well at that level. And then when uh, Norwich do get promoted, if they get promoted in the, in the new season, they'll have a midfielder ready for the Premier League. He's been a great servant to the club as Isaac Hayden. Didn't always go to plan for him. He had um, you know, a few issues, didn't he? He made it clear he wanted to leave at certain points in his time at Newcastle. But he... You know, he, he dug in, and, and no matter what was going on or off the field, he always gave his, his best, always give 100%. And I think he'll be one of those players who, when he does return to St. James's Park in opposition colours or just to visit, he'll be applauded for his efforts here. Yeah, it's hard to think of a player similar to Hayden in terms of how he's won over the fans. You know, when it was announced last night that he joined Norwich, I haven't seen one negative comment about it. Everyone's supportive, everyone's saying what a great servant he's been at the club. And when you think about it, he's not a flashy player. He's not the best of players by any means, but what he is is honest. You know, he's a grafter. And I think that's what made fans want him. Obviously, as you touched on there, he made clear that, you know, he did want to leave the club a couple of years ago. And I think the fact that he stayed through despite the issues that he was having only added to his sort of popularity on Tyneside. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's above that championship level. Um, you know, he clearly wants to be in a team where he's going to get a run of games. Um, fingers crossed he can stay fit and obviously Norwich have got a great player for next season mm, most certainly I think you know he can leave with his head held high he's one of those players that have built the foundations here and have played a big part in Newcastle still being a Premier League club when the takeover did come calling and I, like I said I think just when he returns he'll get a big a big applause a lot like Tim Krul as well obviously Norwich goalkeeper um, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting move because obviously Dan Ashworth came in, he started his role, and things have started to, to move quite quickly. It's an interesting one in the fact that it's a, it's a initially a loan deal, not a permanent deal, you know, one that can raise a bit of cash and, and, and help Eddie Howe's transfer part into the summer. Yeah, I think I, I um, for one, was surprised that it was a loan deal. I thought, you know, Hayden sort of made it clear on social media in the last couple of weeks that he was going to be walking away um, with some not-so-subtle Twitter posts. I thought he would be a player that you could probably cash in for. You know, you'd probably get around 10 million from him, maybe a bit less. I think a lower level Premier League team would have taken a punt on him. Um, and as you say, it would have sort of, you know, got the first sort of money in the pot for the, the summer window. Obviously, it hasn't hasn't worked out like that. It's a loan deal. What we understand is that it could potentially be a permanent one next summer. Um, but I definitely thought Hayden was going to be the ones that if he did go, you know, you could, you could sort of, get a bit of that investment back mm. off him. I think it might be a case that with that injury, he's just wanting to bed in and just prove himself first and foremost. And yesterday, I did hear a whisper that something was, was going to happen. and But it, it appeared to be, from from what I was hearing, it, the people down in Norwich thought it would, would be a, some sort of permanent deal. I think the loan deal may have caught a few people off, off guard. But I mean, it, it is essentially a permanent deal anyway. We don't know what these criteria is that need to be met are, but you, you would assume the bar's not set very high for it to become a permanent deal. And we wish... Isaac Hayden, all the best down at Norwich and we wish Norwich all the best for the new season. Uh, we'll move on to my target now. The left-back was on loan, obviously, from Aston Villa last season, joined in January. For me, he was a, one of the... Well, he was a great sign. All five were, were, were great, but my target was really up there. There was an interesting debate over the weekend about who was the best signing um, of January. Uh, a lot of people picked Dan Byrne. A lot of people said Bruno Gomes, but I put forward that Actually, it's between, for me, Kieran Trippier and Matt Target. And the reason for Matt Target is because he just brought an assurance to that left-back role, which has been missing for a long, long time. P- 
people might in the comments say, oh, well, Jethro Williams, yeah, you know, he was he was decent, but have we really had that assurance at left back? I mean, when I when I wrap my brains, you know, you go David Santon, mm, you go back to Olivia Bernard, perhaps, you know, you have to go back a long while before you, you come up with a left back who really, really shone out. Matt Target for me was that. We know last week there was talks that it wasn't going to become a permanent deal. They were going to go after the Atletico Madrid left back, but this now is happening. Um, it looks like the deal is going to be worth around £12 million, which I think is a bargain, Aaron, mm-hmm. considering the talent he's got, his age, Premier League experience, he's bedded in. What do you make of the deal? What's the latest that you understand? Yeah, so the club obviously um, today have been inundated with calls, no doubt, about Target and his future. Um, you know, what we understand is that he is, you know, on time side for a medical. Um, the fee will probably be undisclosed, but we do understand that it's going to be around 12 to 15 million, 3 million of that already being paid for the loan fee uh, that was obviously sorted in January. Uh, in terms of the deal they're getting, I think it's a no-brainer. I think fans think it's a no-brainer. Eddie Howe thinks it's a no-brainer. As you say, he's came in, he's given that assurance. For all, Matt Ritchie was a fantastic player, in my opinion. You always felt he was sort of stuck in at left-back and he wasn't actually a natural in that position I think you've got to go back to Jose Enrique really to find somebody who of course I missed uh, Jose Enrique you were missing Enrique a big out. one there I was thinking just keeping you on your toes Bernard are you going back a long way um, I'm yeah. sure my age Jose Enrique I think you know, you've got to go back to was the that's the sort of level that he's brought you know consistency every week he played 16 times over 5 months um, he was you know imperative in that survival bid um a fantastic signing uh, and as I've mentioned a no-brainer I think the club have looked at that and thought for £12 million a player who isn't going to need time to settle in they know he's fit they know he gets on with the fans they know he gets on with his teammates um, and obviously we, we do expect it to get over the line in the next couple of days and it's a fantastic start to the window that the window that hasn't even opened yet so mm. yeah yeah, a really good move I think yeah. Tommy Blacker says target has proved he's quite left back welcome to the tune nick sven says target can cross a ball which is something we've not been able to say for years from a fullback so lots of comments like that positive comments they're very happy with the signing or imminent signing of my target and important as well you feel because he's had that relationship with alan st max when it was always worry about a left back having to come in and, and build up that relationship with st max from kind of accepting that st max wasn't going to track back and help you out but the fact that they've built that up since January, that is a massive boost going into the new season, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think it goes back to what I was saying a minute ago that you know the club will have had no bones about making this deal because he doesn't need any time to bed in. He knows St Maximum. He knows the graft he's got to do. They've got that relationship together. I do think at times St Maximum needs to help them out a bit more. I think we saw in specific games, especially City, away at the end of the season, that target was being exploited a bit. But look, Howe's got the full summer to work on that. Um and look, we did see at times going forward, they were, they were a fantastic partnership. So, yeah, yeah, a great deal for all parties, I think. Roger Cook says, solid as a rock, target, visible, prem, experience, skill, excellent signing. Kev says, target is quality. I made a great start and he is well happy. I think that's, let's say, the majority of the comments are along those lines. And what I do like about my target as well is that when you were speaking to people from Aston Villa when this deal was initially sorted out, that the initial loan deal, they were kind of saying, well, he's a decent left back. He had that one good season where he was he was Aston Villa's player of the season, but they felt that playing in front of a crowd 
was was maybe a bit of an issue. They f- some people felt that he he, he won Player of the Year because there were no crowds in, and, and they were saying, "Well, I'm not sure how he's going to handle fifty two thousand people." As we've said previously on this podcast, he handled it very very well, and he's proven, I think, to to those we spoke to about him and to Stephen Gerrard that I think they've made a mistake potentially in letting him go. Obviously, Luka Dinia is a is a good good left back, uh, but based on what my target did in his initial time at Newcastle. Has Steven Gerrard made a bit of a mistake there, you think? I'm really surprised that there hasn't been more of a of an effort from Villa to keep him at the club. As you've mentioned, they've got Luca Dean, who's a fantastic player, you know, in and around the French squad. But, you know, Target, the last six months, you'd say, was arguably better than Dean, you know, who really struggled a, on a start at Villa. As you said, yeah, I mean, I've got a I've got a friend who's been a lifelong Villa fan, and I asked him on the day we signed Target what type of player we were getting, and he said, bang out of form can't keep fit he was player of the season a year ago but he's just dropped off a cliff so I was a bit worried him coming in and he's just proved me and I think a lot of Villa fans wrong that he actually can't do a job um, which just makes the £12 million fee you know even more sweet definitely I think what stands out he's not that flashy name that maybe some expected some outside of Newcastle expected but there will be comparisons I think drawn to the Wayne Bridge signing at Manchester City you know that kind of first load of players that come in and set the foundations for what's to come, you know, hopefully when Newcastle are winning Premier League titles and FA Cups. You look back on that first batch of players who who had to do the hard work and, and lay down the, the building blocks. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, look, it's all well and good saying, look, they want to sign Paqueta and Diaby and Botman and all these big, huge names that none of them really play in the Premier League with, with I was just about to call him Wayne Bridge there, with Matt Target, you've got um, a dependable player who's played in the league all his life. He knows... Um, you know, not only the division, but Newcastle and their opponents well. Um, you know, I was seeing that Fulham were obviously linked with them early in the window. They obviously had the same, you know, thoughts as Newcastle. Let's get them in a cheap deal, a player that knows the league. Um, but I think, look, it just goes to show the comments that we're seeing here, the comments that we've seen on social media, the reaction that Target got towards the end of the season. They don't always need to be flashy names. You know, I've seen not one person be disappointed with this Target deal, which just goes to show that you know, for all that Newcastle United are the richest club in the world at the minute, they don't always need to go out and spend 50, 40, or 60 million on a player. Mm, most certainly. We've got a comment there from, from Billy Gadness, and he says, can I ask a question hundreds of long-term fans like me at 64 years old are asking, can Newcastle win a cup or something soon? And that's the aim, isn't it? I mean, w- what do you think the aim is this se- well, in the new season coming? Is it looking at the domestic cups and saying, we're going to give them a real go? Yeah, look, I mean, I've, everybody's been talking about where they see Newcastle finish next season. Some people want to say they want them to be finishing the top six. Some are saying top eight. Some want to be finishing the top ten. I haven't actually heard that many people talk about a cup run. And I think, for me, that should be you know, very, very high on this new owner's list of to-do. On their to-do list, sorry. Um, next season, you know, the last couple of years under Bruce and even Rafa, you know, we've, we've struggled to get beyond the early rounds that's sort of being, you know, put to one side because the club are in a relegation battle. This season, if the club are, you know, comfortable from day dot, they're never really in the danger zone or anywhere near it, you've got to give one of the cups a go. I think even, you know, the League Cup, which gets sort of, you know, diminished by a lot of the big clubs and they don't really see the point in it, that's it. It's a huge opportunity for Newcastle and what it would do for the city and the club would just be amazing. So I think if they can have a decent cup run, you know, if they can at least get the quarters or have a you know, a bit of a sniff of, of winning some silverware, then then yeah, it should definitely be high on the agenda. 
a lot of people talk about what the back four now looks like. Kieran Trippier, Dan Byrne, Matt Target, and then one of somebody. And a lot of people asking about Botman. There were comments um, just a few days ago where he seriously suggested or hinted that he was he was looking at AC Milan as a, as a potential place to go. Then there were reports last night from various European journalists saying, well, actually, Milan now have backed off and, and walked away. What's your latest understanding of what's going on? And I guess that's a sign of the things of how this summer is going to play out. The, 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 us as, as journalists, you know, with the stories, but also fans watching and listening, we all are going to have to dig through, I don't want to say dirt, because, you know, these journalists have written it in good faith, you know, the, the stories to get to the true facts. Yeah, I think last night goes to show that you can speak to multiple journalists across Europe and they're all going to have different um, opinions on what's happening what's happening with the Botman deal. AC Milan themselves have came out and said that they're interested, but they've also came out a week later and said, oh, you know, deal's not done and all this. Um, on last night's report, you know, that Spurs and Manchester United were interested. From our understanding, it's just Newcastle and Milan and the the deal is literally just up to what Botman decides, you know, it's likely that he's going to make a decision in the next couple of days as soon as he's finished, um, you know, playing for the Netherlands. Um, so, yeah, I think by next week, you know, it looks like we could have a decision on Botman one way or the other. And Ake as well, the Manchester City defender, obviously ex-Bournemouth man, worked under Eddie Howe. He was linked, £50 million was, was a reported price tag. We spoke about that earlier in the week. His comments came out and he basically just said, I, I want to fight for my place. I, I guess, though, if... Um, gets to later in the window and, and maybe it, it doesn't look like he's got a route in that Manchester City defence. He, he may change his mind and, and, you know, things in football change quite quickly as well. Yeah, I think Ake is, you know, for all he's been linked, I think I'd be surprised if the deal happened. One, because City are, you know, reportedly charging or asking for around 50 million. Then you've got Ake's comments yesterday where he said his intention is to play for City next season. He's determined to fight for his place. Obviously, we're not sure whether City are sort of going to allow that yet, but for me, I don't think it's a deal Newcastle do anytime soon. I think if they do do that deal this summer, like you say, it'll be late in the window where Ake is maybe thinking, right, I do need to go now. Newcastle, if they haven't got their top targets like Botman or, or someone of that ilk, um, then maybe they'll go on for it if the price is right. I don't think they'll ever spend £50 million on them. I mean, I just were getting some comments through here. I don't think fans want to see the club spend £50 million on them either. It's like what we said on Monday. If you're spending that amount of money, you want to be sure that this player is going to come in and improve the squad. Um, for Nathan Ake is a fantastic defender is he what Newcastle need at that price I'm not so sure um, so I'd be surprised if that one gets done um, I'm one of the other people linked to the centre back role was James Tarkovsky but he's reportedly having a medical now at Everton I'm not sure how high up the list he was obviously he fits the bill because he, you know, he's free Premier League experience we mentioned a couple of episodes ago about how things maybe turned out differently in January um, had you know Burnley and Newcastle not been in the positions they were, I don't think that's a big loss him going to to Everton. I think he's a, he's a decent enough centre back, but is he any better than you know Jamal Lascelles, um, Fabian Chair, the, the kind of players he would be fighting against to get into that Newcastle United eleven? No, I, I don't think he is. To be fair, and obviously we heard in January that when there was rumours that they were going to get him on a free, Tarkovsky was obviously very very keen to cl to come. You know there was likes of Villa and Everton and other clubs linked but apparently Newcastle was his first choice um, I think as we said the other day with Carlos I think it's a deal where they've looked at it and thought is he what we need you know Carlos was obviously different they were asking for a lot of money Tarkovsky's obviously 
going on a free, but I think if they're looking at the legs of Botman, and even Ake, I think, is a step above Tarkovsky, and I think it just comes down to what the club are looking at. Um, so, obviously, Tarkovsky's having a medical effort, and I don't think it's a big loss should he go there. I think if you're a, f- a fit Callum Wilson and you end up playing Everton with a, a centre-back pairing of Michael Keane and James Tarkovsky, you'll be licking your lips with that, because I th- I think that's, that's not exactly the... the, the Strongest back line, but alas, we're not here to talk about Everton. We're here to talk about Newcastle United. Um, people asking about potential exits. So Dwight Gale has been linked with a move to Middlesbrough. That was sort of maybe also touted back in January. We know what he can do in the championship and for a team that wants to get promoted, as Middlesbrough do, that's their aim. You know, that was their aim last season, despite where they were when Wilder came in. For a team that wants to be at the right end of the championship with a chance of getting a top flight, Dwight Gale is a man who pretty much guarantees your goals in the championship, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Look, we've all seen what he can do in that division. He was, you know, an essential figure in that Newcastle team when they came up. It's baffled me the last couple of seasons why Bruce and even Eddie Howe hasn't shifted him out on loan or in a permanent deal to a championship side when we know what he can do. He clearly wanted to stay at Newcastle where he got, you know, little minutes here and there, never really could show what he could do. This season, I think, this summer, sorry, I think it looks like he will definitely go. Howe had numerous opportunities towards the back end of the season when Callum Wilson was injured to give him a game and he didn't. You know, he was even putting Maxi up front at times, which I think shows you all you need to know. So, yeah, look, Borough interested. I'm sure there'll be a number of championship teams that are that are sniffing around him if he can prove that he's still got the legs. Great attitude. You know, Jamal LaSalle's revealed that Dwight Gale was top of the, the, the training board uh, the training ground leaderboard, where it shows you how many people have, you know, which players have won won the, the games on the training pitch. So, you know, he hasn't played, but Dwight Gill's always put his all in, especially in training. So, if he does indeed head, o- head over to Middlesbrough, good luck to him. Kevin Clark, another one people are asking about, he's likely to leave as well, you would think, which I guess makes the, the move for a defender all that bit more important because they are likely to lose at least one centre back, potentially two in Fernandez as well. I think that's why we've seen. The last couple of months have been such major transfer interest across different publications about them signing a centre back. You know, first it was Carlos, he's gone. You've obviously got Botman, Ake, Mings has been linked, Tarkovsky at a time. Um, I think it's crucial that they sign another centre back um, this summer. One of a you know good stature to sort of raise that level. And as you say, when they're going to lose Kieran Clark, it looks like they might lose Federico Fernandez. That again leaves you with only really four centre-backs um, at a push so I think it'll be one of their priorities this summer to make sure they get one in definitely Now Dan Ashworth spoke to the club website last night his first in-depth interview since taking on the role as sporting director it was a fantastic interview a, a real kind of pleasure just to watch and hear what he had to say is it any surprise that he's come in and things have started to happen? No I don't think so I think you know from speaking to Stavely a couple of months ago, I know that in January, herself and Murdad were doing a lot of the legwork. Um, and she sort of said that she was sick and tired of dealing with agents and haggling. I think as soon as Ashworth came in, he's taken that responsibility away. You know, they've now got a middleman, um, Eddie Howe and Steve Nixon, we know have been working on deals, but they've now got Ashworth in to sort of tie up those loose ends. I don't think it's any surprise that we've seen Target wrapped up pretty much straight away. Um, a Hayden leaving I think there'll be another few exits definitely in the next couple of weeks or even before the window even opens um, so yeah good to see that he's, you know, he's getting straight in 
He's had all this time to wait for the Premier League to give him approval, um, and he's clearly wasting no time. Mm, yeah, and there's a few questions put in. I'll, I'll go into them. We did briefly speak about this on the last episode. Nick's asking about Jam- uh, Jamal Lewis uh, and asking if the, the target on a permanent deal paves the way for Lewis' exit or do you retain him as cover? As we said earlier in the week, for me, he stays. You let Eddie Howe work with him um, and hopefully turns him into a, a Premier League player. Um, sticking with the Ashworth interview, uh, Kev says he loved the Ashworth interview. So looking forward to seeing what he's going to do. Just talk to us about why Ashworth joined Newcastle. What did he say in that interview, which for you stood out? Fantastic interview from Ashworth and very refreshing to see someone at the Newcastle someone in the Newcastle United hierarchy speaking to the fans so openly. Obviously, we had years of Charlie and Ashley sort of hiding from the cameras. Um, so, yeah, good to see. On why he joined Newcastle, you know, he made it clear that whenever he came to St James's Park as an opponent with either West Brom or Brighton, you know, he always felt like it was a special place. He called Newcastle United a monster of a football club. Um, and it really seemed like a no-brainer to him for him to join. Um, there was rumours that there was other offers from other Premier League clubs. You know, he's very highly rated, I'm sure. If the Newcastle deal hadn't went through, he would have found another job straight away. But you could tell in that interview that there was a real desire from him. He really wanted the job. Um, and he's clearly admired the club from afar for a long time. Um, and clearly jumped at the chance to join as soon as he could. No, I fully recommend you go and watch that interview. We've written a lot of it up on our website as well, chroniclive.co.uk. One of the things that stood out for me, and it ties into this search for, for a centre-back or a new striker, is he made clear that he looks at every aspect of the playing staff. So if Newcastle need a player in what he said, X, Y, Z, they don't necessarily just straight away look at the the, 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 the transfer window. They look at what's in the 23s, what's in the 18s. Is there a player who can step up? And it's interesting, we, we talk about centre-backs. So you look around and you say, well, you know, Kel Watts is there. You look around for an attacking player. Elliot Anderson is there. There's, there's a few players who've... Had a, had a good year or so at Newcastle United and, and maybe what was missing at Newcastle, this is no disrespect to, to, to you know Stephen Harper or Sean Lavin, was that link between the under-23s and the first team? I mean, Santiago Munez is another one. I mean, if he plays for the first team, we know the headline's already written there. But it was just really refreshing to, to hear someone sit down and go, well, actually, no, if you're good enough in these ranks, the under-23s and 18s, and we need a player in that position we'll look at you and if we think you're good enough, you're more than likely going to gonna get a, a shout and get a goal. Yeah, it's clear Ashworth's going to be the man in the middle to tie everything together. He's going to have his finger in a lot of pies and it was refreshing to hear him say in that interview last night that he will look at the players that they've already got in the ranks before they go out and spend 40 million on a player, which, look, it's going to be so easy. These owners have got an endless pot of money. If they want a player, there's a high likelihood that they're going to get them. But how many times in the last couple of years have we seen a Newcastle United youngster sitting on the bench and I just itching to see them. Anderson, you know, Adam Armstrong back in the day under Pardew. You know, we want to see these players and time and time again they've been overlooked. If we've got Ashworth, you know, sitting above thinking, oh, hang on, you know, we've got this player or, you know, there's a couple of players that are in and around the fringes. Let's give them a chance. You know, it can only be a good thing and it's what fans want to see, you know, especially at games at St. James's Park. I mean, having a manager as well willing to listen and work with the sporting director I think that's going to be a really interesting relationship. He got on really well with Graham Potter Brighton. Got on well with David Weir, who's now his successor. David Weir was the law manager. Uh, you know, he said in an interview when he met Shola Amiobi, he uh, was meeting Steve Harper later this week. He'd spoken to Eddie Howe, who was on holiday. 
and it does seem like everyone's willing to work together pulling in the same direction and you know Ashworth's kind of overarching aim is to just make sure that the club has that string running throughout it you do need your manager to, to, to play ball with that equally Ashworth has to respect Eddie Howe is the manager but I, I, I mean in certain clubs you would look at that and you would maybe fear the influence I think with Manchester United and their new appointment there was a bit of fear over what Randnick would, would do with with a new manager coming in, obviously he hasn't taken up his role. But here I look at it and I think, well, I'm excited for what could happen because I think Ashworth and uh, and, and how we'll, we'll get on like house on fire. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think what's very telling is that there's a great interview with Ashworth on BT Sport that he did a couple of months ago when he was still at Brighton. And Jay Comfrey asked him about his role and he said, look, I can spot a player and I can take it to then Graham Potter and say, look, do you want this player? And if Potter doesn't want him, He's out of the question. You know, it's not as if Ashworth's going to come in and say, we've spotted this player, he looks great, he's going to be fantastic, and if Howe doesn't want him, he brings him anyway, which is obviously what we used to see, you know, Mike Ashley countless times signing players that Steve Bruce or Benitez or whoever didn't want because it was a favour to an agent or he was cheap or he had resale value. This time, everybody's pulling in the right direction. If Howe, Ashworth and the owners agree on the deal. It's got the green light. You know, he's talked about his traffic-like system um, before. And it's the way, I mean, look, it's the way a football club should, any football club, Premier League or Championship or League One, any club should be run like that. And it's just refreshing to see that it's finally going to be happen, happening in Newcastle. Yeah, exciting times ahead. And that is the end of this show of the Everything is Black and White podcast. You guys watching, thank you very much for tuning in. To you guys listening later on the podcast channel, please do remember to like and follow the podcast and leave us a rating and review if you get the chance as well. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news.